Welcome to this episode of the This Is Believe One Real Browns Fans Podcast. I am your host, James Mistrucci, and joining me, my co-host, Jordan Cohen. Jordan, Browns won, how you feeling? You know, I'm happy the Browns won. I am overall, like, in a good mood. I'm not going to be too negative or anything because we beat the Ravens, which is, this was a must-win game. So I'm good. Yeah, it really was a, a must-win game. Uh, pretty much the rest of their games, the rest of the season are must-win games, win or their season's over, essentially. But uh, before we get to, into too far and discussing what happened, just a quick reminder to like, comment, subscribe, share, tell your friends and family if you don't. It's stealing. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, thisisbelieveone.com, and realbrownsfans.com. All right. Browns won 24-22. This game was a lot closer than it probably should have been when at one point they were up 24-3. Yep. I I mean, so I guess here's what I'll say. I think what we've learned over a year and a half of Kevin Stefanski is when he has a lead like this, he plays like this. So I'm not going to try to get too into the oh, this was a game we should have won by substantially more than this, because that's not how Savansky operates. Like, mm-hmm. Savansky has, like, a weird, like, savantish ability to understand time and, like, in a game, time remaining and play to that. Mm-hmm. To me, the bigger concern is the trends you saw starting in the second quarter. Yes. Where it, like, clearly looked like the Ravens figured us out. And... The, again, the good news, you go into the half with, with 24 points, Savansky was able to do what he wanted to do in the second half, which is, like, play this, like, deep quarters coverage, prevent any, like, long yardage passing or runs, and then play, like, dink and dunk, run up the middle, just eat up clock offense. Like, that's what he wanted to do, and that's what he was able to do. Had the Browns not gotten that Miles Garrett strip sack, strip sack for a touchdown, right? Had that not happened, the Browns lose this game. Had Lamar Jackson not gotten hurt, the Browns lose this game. Like, it, it's that close. Just, and I, all I'm referring to is the second quarter here. Because the Browns can't do what they did in the second half if what happens in the second quarter doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and, nonetheless, it did happen. The Browns won. That's great. But, yeah. Yes. And you mentioned that Lamar Jackson exited the game early in the second quarter. Uh, only attempted four passes, ran the ball twice. He really wasn't doing much, but uh, as we saw with uh, Tyler Huntley having the game of his life, uh, you could tell something was going to happen at some point. <laughs> you know, that's what it, at least what it's right. pointing to, because uh, Lamar Jackson, a gajillion times better than Tyler Huntley. Oh, oh, I mean, this is like, Tyler Huntley's fine. Like, I couldn't think of a better backup in the NFL for Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. but he'll never be an NFL starter. Oh, no. Like, that's not what we're dealing with here. Yeah. You watch some of the plays where he got hit or took sacks. It's just like he is completely oblivious to pressure around him. He just doesn't doesn't know it's there. Right. I mean, it's actually a little bit like Baker Mayfield. Like, Like, dude, like, you have ears. Like, I know you can sense that person running at you. Uh, it, it's similar a bit. Uh, I, I do. I will say that um, you do see Baker, uh, Baker going to just complete panic at one point or another. Yeah. 
where Huntley did not panic at all. Okay, I don't remember. No, who's... no, Huntley's. I guess Huntley's like the anti Baker, and that like he does the exact opposite of Baker. Neither of which are things you want to happen. Yeah, uh, I don't remember who said it a while ago, but someone said or tweeted, uh, you know, all quarterbacks panic, but no one is more. I guess, more apparent about their panicking than Baker Mayfield when he does panic. Like, you can yeah, tell he's... Yeah, was on the athletic football show. I was think that... it was somebody on that show. Was it that? It was either tweeted or, or that, but I remember that. I was just yeah, like... Yeah, I think it was the athletic football show. It, either way, it's still very accurate. When he panics, it's like, hey, he's panicking. He, he's, he, he would yeah. be the best player to play poker with because he probably has the worst poker face. He either has uh, <laughs> uh, four of a kind or he's got jack shit. Okay, and he's going mean, to tell like, you both ways. Right. <laughs> like, the thing about Baker that's so frustrating is, like, if he could throw the ball 15 yards reliably, mm-hmm. kind of like he did the second half of last season, Yeah, he's a really good NFL quarterback because nobody's going to ru- throw eight men in the box against him that's going to cause him to panic like that. Yeah. It, the fact is he doesn't, like, his entire career, he has not been able to do that consistently. So teams are kind of like, well, we'll take our shot. Like, if he does it this game, fuck us. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like buying, like, flood insurance, right? Like, most states you live in, you don't need to worry about floods. Because if you do need to worry about floods, flood insurance is too expensive. Mm-hmm. And, like, most times, like, you don't buy flood insurance. And, hey, if there's a flood, like, fuck you. Like, there's, there's, <laughs> like you're screwed. Like. There's nothing you can do about it. It's not your fault. It's just it's reality. And, like, that's how teams approach Baker Mayfield. It's like, listen, if this guy starts throwing reliably from about 15-yard passes this game, fuck up. Like, there was nothing we are going to be able to do anyways because if we sold out on that, Nick Chubb would have 400 yards. So, like, like, we're just screwed. And that's the Baker Mayfield problem. Like, it's like, man, if you can do this one thing reliably – all of a sudden, this is a title contender. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even need to be a good quarterback. Like, if he could just do, like, that intermediate pass reliably, this is a Super Bowl contending team. He can't do that. And it's so frustrating sometimes. Yeah, and let's let's talk about Baker's uh, performance today, uh, specifically. Uh, he started red hot. He was 14 of 16. If you're on Twitter, we're getting some crazy, crazy statements out there, as you know, Twitter is prone to have. Didn't really go all that well for him after that. He was eight of sixteen for 126 yards. I mean, or, I'm sorry, 14 of sixteen for 126. He finished eight of sixteen for the rest of the game for 64 yards. Um, while the the 14 of sixteen for 126 is not great in the average uh, department. He was completing passes, which is good because we haven't seen him do the past couple weeks is complete passes on a consistent basis. The problem is, is that the inconsistencies that we've seen all year long with him and for the majority of his career uh, decided to show up after those first 16 pass attempts. And that was quite alarming. Here's the thing about statistics, right? You can make statistics say whatever you want, Mm -hmm. but over time, statistics don't lie. Yeah. And what I mean by that, right, is Baker's 14 of 16. If you stop the game then, you could be like, listen, man, Baker Mayfield had a great game. Mm -hmm. And that's because of this funny word that I say all the time called variance, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't have a big enough sample size of 16 passes to say Baker's having a great game. And then you play the second half of the game, it's like, oh, 
Nope, Baker's exactly who we thought he was. He just had a really hot quarter and a half. Yeah, that's about what it was. It was a quarter and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, And that's fine, right? Like, we won. I'm not trying to complain. Mm-hmm. We won the game we had to win. The odds of us making the playoffs are substantially higher now. Not that they're high, but they're substantially higher now than they were seven hours ago. Yeah, I think they were projected to go up to 36% if uh, they yeah. won today. If they lost, it would have gone down to like six or eight. Like, yeah. essentially, you know, but dead in the water. Right. No, no, no. The Browns need to win out. Like, I, I, so I was at the D.C. Browns back today, and I had this conversation then. So, like, I am prepped. I've, like, hardened my argument here. Mm-hmm. The, the Browns have no choice. They have to win out. No matter how the Ravens play the rest of the year, how the Bengals play, the Browns have to win out. And even if they do, they're not guaranteed to make the playoffs. You're right. That's the world we're in. Right. And like if they went out, I think odds are probably good that they make the playoffs, but it's not a guarantee. And they have no shot if they lose any of the next four games. And like Raiders, Bengals and Steelers are all games. I think we could win. I'm very nervous about the Packers. Yeah. Packers game uh, is concerning. Like we have lost the last three times we played the Raiders. It seems like the Raiders, for whatever reason, have a team we really struggle against. Um the Packers are going to be hard because Aaron Rodgers and that offense are an insane combo. CC Andrew Barry would be really cool if you could um, trade for Aaron Rodgers so we could replicate that here. Um, and then the Steelers and the Bengals are also like they're in division games. The, here's the thing. Those two teams want to make the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. Right. You, so you're going to get your best shot. Two. Right. So this isn't like last year where we had to play the Steelers playing all of their backups. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this Steelers game is going to be tough. This Bengals game is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. That Bengals team is... They're, they're not... I wouldn't say good, but they have... They give it their all every week. And that's going to be tough if the playoffs are on the line. So... I, the Browns had to win this game. This was a tough game. I, like, this was a game I'm happy the Browns won, right? I'm not going to say this is a game the Browns should have won because it wasn't. I think the Browns looked better this week than they have since the first half against Kansas City. Like, I was really impressed by some things this week. Mm-hmm. But it's late. It is way too late in the year for this to start being consistent. I mean, you're right. I mean, <clears throat> there, there was... Some definitely some bright spots today, offensively, defensively. I think they also had some bright spots, both occurring early in the game. Okay, in the first half. Mm-hmm. But a, a consistent theme we've seen this entire year is this team cannot play four 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 full quarters of football. Um, right. They they either shoot themselves in the foot offensively or defensively or both. Um, they 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 don't execute. They commit dumb penalties. They let this game, which should have been not even a question, I think, in my opinion, that they should have won, put it into question, okay? Because uh, the Ravens, they score the touchdown, they're down by two, they get, they recovered their first onside kick in 20 years, okay? <laughs> they haven't recorded one, they haven't recovered one since 2001, and they decided to break that streak today. And they had a chance to beat the Browns today. Yep. Yeah, and like 
this so people of the Browns backers and I tweeted this and I tagged you in the tweet because you've said it since mm-hmm. really this past off season, right? When the Browns mm-hmm. extended Nick Chubb, you made this point, which is like the Browns have to execute in the passing game. Otherwise, teams are just going to stack the box, right? And you made that point since then. And it's true, right? Like, mm-hmm. I wanted us to run the ball more today, too. But guess what? Every time Nick Chubb was in the game, look at what the Ravens did with their front. They had right? nine, nine guys, in the, guys box. in the box. Yeah. Right. So, like, I, I don't know what people wanted, right? Because I am sorry, running the ball with nine guys in the box is a really stupid play call. It's stupid. Even if your quarterback's Baker Mayfield, it's a stupid play call. Mm-hmm. You, um, you got to do something to force them to get out of that nine-man front, which is right, right. honestly an, an insane statement to say, nine-man front, by the way. But um, you had to do something to make them at least be honest. And the, the quick well, there, there is something the Browns could have done, which is like at some point getting a receiver that's really good as like an X receiver, deep roots, like runs option roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like only if they had that at some point – could we have stopped this from happening? Yeah. yeah well, it's well crazy. they did have that, yeah. right? And they cut him. They let him go for free because whatever bullshit. Like, yeah. this is a game with Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham doesn't even have a catch this game. If he's on the Browns, the Browns win this by two touchdowns. Yeah, because he, what he does is he, he makes the defense account for the threat that he is, and he gives right. other people space. He allows people to get right. more of that college open that Baker needs because he's too afraid to throw it to NFL open receivers. Okay. Right. If you watch him throw to guys, right. he only comfortably throws to guys that are college open. Well, and like, listen, credit DPJ. DPJ against what admittedly is a terrible Raven secondary yeah. did really good today. Like, he, he did. Let's give props to DPJ. He was great today. A lot of those times, like, Baker was not. There was not, I'm sorry, like there was not one throw today Baker made that was like, oh, that's a really good throw, right? Because either Stefanski was scheming the receiver open or DPJ was playing miraculously. Mm-hmm. Uh, that catch down the sideline, which I'm not entirely sure that he actually caught it. That was incredible. Right, right. No, like even if he didn't catch it, that was incredible. Like what he did on that play was incredible, mm-hmm. right? Um, but like the Ravens weren't, Ever in that game thinking, oh, we should stop putting nine guys in the box because of Donovan Peoples-Jones. And, like, part of this just sucks in its reputation, right? Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes nothing you can do in a game that's going to affect that like reputation would, right? And we saw this with Odell Beckham for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. When Odell Beckham was in the game, no matter how bad he was playing with Baker, teams always respected him. Mm-hmm. Always. And that meant teams couldn't put nine guys in the box. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But I, I mean, I, like, it, it, and so anyways, point being, the problem with this Browns team, no matter how much we complain about everything else and we do, the problem with this Browns team is the quarterback. And that's an NFL thing. That's not like, I'm not saying Baker's especially bad for a quarterback because like, He's not. Like, I think he's probably a perfectly average NFL quarterback. But, like, in the NFL, you don't win shit with a perfectly average NFL quarterback. You, you really don't. And it's funny that you mentioned that because there was a tweet that went kind of viral earlier this week about him compared to the average statistics of NFL quarterbacks during his during his time in the NFL. And it's eerily similar. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, but 
Uh, I'll send it to you. But <clears throat> it, it was it was just like the the numbers across the board were just nearly identical of just average quarterback play and Baker. It was kind of weird, <laughs> but it really goes to I guess um, reinforce your point that he's average, and he is right. average and. You know, I, I do think he has some moments where he's slightly better, but he has a lot of moments where he's much, much worse. Well, and that to me is the problem, right? Like, Eli Manning was consistently a perfectly average quarterback. Yeah. And that meant there were years where the Giants built this team that just, like, excelled in everything. And they consist they would go to the playoffs and, like, every when Tom Coughlin's job was on the line, they would win a Super Bowl. But, like, that's because you knew Eli Manning was going to have half a year or he was just complete garbage. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with Baker. Yeah. Right? Like, Baker has not just years, but games. Like, half a game where he's complete garbage. And, like, that's the problem with his averageness. It's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick actually, like, probably overall is an above-average quarterback. and a whole quarterback. I would agree but with that. But when he is bad... He is so bad that you can't bank on it. And to me, that's what Baker Mayfield's going to be his career. He'll be in the NFL a long time. Because either teams will draft a rookie and be like, oh, we have a good enough team to win. Mm-hmm. And sign Baker while they sit the rookie. Or they'll be like, we got to find somebody. And they'll sign Baker and give him a shot. He's going to be in the NFL a long time. Yeah, he will. He but will. He ain't, he ain't it. He ain't it. Like, he is not the guy that makes you a consistent playoff team, let alone a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, he's he's not the guy that is the reason you win games. He's not. I, I've I've been saying this for a long time as well. Uh, he is not what drives the offense. He is the passenger. He is the passenger of the offense. And there, that's a, that's a big difference between quarterbacks that get paid forty million dollars and quarterbacks that get paid twenty million dollars. Okay. Right. Like. I'm not the biggest Teddy Bridgewater fan, but apparently he's seeking a contract averaging $25 million a year. Okay? That's about what Baker should be making. Yeah. Because they're no, they're mean, pretty much on the same tier, honestly. Right, but, but here's what the difference is, right? Baker's highs are substantially higher than Teddy Bridgewater's highs. Mm-hmm. But Teddy Bridgewater hits his middle 50 substantially more than Baker May- Mayfield hits his middle 50. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater is essentially uh, the next version of like Tyrod Taylor. Okay, right. He's he's not exciting. Doesn't really do a whole bunch to cost you games, but doesn't do a whole bunch to win you games either. He's fine. Right. Listen, I th- I, I I am not saying I think it's impossible the Browns make the playoffs. Like, I think this game Stefanski reminded us of who Stefanski is. Mm-hmm. But I also think Stefanski is the guy that on the first play of a must-win game against the Titans last year had Jarvis Landy throwing a touchdown pass to Odell Beckham or whatever, whoever the combo was. I forgot what the combo is. Yeah. Like, this isn't Stefanski's ideal offense, mm-hmm. right? The offense you ran today is Stefanski's, hey, I need to figure out a way, a way to win games in spite of Baker Mayfield. Here's yeah. what I'm going to do. And... He wasn't at this last year, and I think, like, this is like Sean McVay the year after they went to the Super Bowl, the Rams went to the Super Bowl, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like McVay needed to figure out a way 
to let McVay be McVay the following season. And mm-hmm. he did that, and I think that's a – and I think Smetsky will do that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, but, but we're not in a position this year where that's going to happen. So even if we make the playoffs, like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, we are a worse team than we were last year. Yeah, they are. And they've added uh, a lot of talent to the roster, which is kind of concerning. Or at least they attempted to add a lot of talent to the roster uh, with some of their additions. Um, I want to get your opinion on something that happened during the game, because during the game and after the game, um, the, let's just call it the Twitterverse, was uh, on fire and arguing about a decision from John Harbaugh. Okay. I think, mm-hmm. you, I think you know where I'm going here. Yep. The decision to attempt the two-point conversion down nine and not kick the extra point. Now, I understand what uh, a lot of the analytics say about this situation, but I don't necessarily agree with it because it's not as simple as a lot of the people that discuss it try to make, try to make the entire situation. I want to get your opinion and, and read on it. So, uh, I, we may actually disagree on this. I think Harbaugh made the right call. Like, Here's the thing. The Browns' defense was not, like, from just a pure football standpoint, Mm -hmm. the Browns' defense was not stopping the Ravens. Yes. Right? Correct. I think Harbaugh made the call based on that. Even with Huntley, like, the Browns' defense looked fucked. Mm -hmm. And I think what Harbaugh may have misread is, like, the Browns' defense was kind of, like, I actually think Joe Woods deserves credit for this game. Um because even in the second half where the defense quote unquote looked bad, I thought what he was doing was really smart, which is he gave the Raven like the Ravens couldn't get big gains that mm-hmm. entire second half. They got a lot of small gains, but that didn't matter because they were down three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Or almost three touchdowns. Yeah. And I think Harbaugh's decision was based on we are making a lot of small gains. All we need here is a small game. Yes. Um I think from an analytics standpoint, like, it does say that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it says that was the right call. But I, I go beyond that. And, like, it's easy to say, and this is my problem with football Twitter in general, because it goes both ways, right? It goes yeah. both for and against analytics all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it isn't – I'm sorry. There's not one, like, rule to follow that's going to tell you going for two is the right or the wrong call, because it depends on so many things you don't know the answer to and you won't know until after the game. Mm-hmm. Um so I think given what Harbaugh saw in front of him, it was probably the right call. I, I, I guess my view is maybe it wasn't the right – obviously it wasn't the right call. I just – I don't know that – that like, had Simmons lost in either situation, that call had been attacked. Mm-hmm. So I guess to me that's my issue. But I also see the idea of, like, going for points because our offense wasn't doing shit either. So maybe just take the field goal. Because you know the Browns aren't going to score again. Yeah, so in by itself, in a neutral situation where there is no time, there's no limit to where things exist, I understand the math and the logic behind doing the two-point conversion then, okay? I understand that. I, I can see the path that they're going down. But while I was watching the post-game... Uh, I was listening to Bill Cower discuss his opinion on it, and he put it in better words than I could have ever done it, honestly. And I'll, I'll give you just a paraphrase of what it is. And it's essentially that in a game with, clock, with the clock, 
you only have so many plays, you only have so many possessions in a game that you have to calculate how many more times are you actually going to get the ball and how many times and how successfully you actually are at moving the ball down the field. Like, let's play the hypothetical game. Are you ready? Let's say they kick the extra point instead of <clears throat> instead of going for two and missing it there. Now, instead of the Browns' defense being uh, up by nine over the, the final couple minutes of the game, it's an, it's an eight-point game. Okay, so now maybe their offense changes. Maybe the way they play on defense changes. It, that decision impacts how the rest of that game is played. Because it goes from uh, two-score, one-score game. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, right, I, right. I, I understand the math there, but the way the game is played is entirely different based on it being a two-score versus one-score game. And with how many possessions are left in the game, it, it, it really... It just it's just a weird thing. Like, no, no, and I hear that. I guess my point is like, I think it goes both ways, right? So like, it, let's say they kick the field goal, and then the Browns, rather than running at three straight plays or like doing that weird Ernest Johnson series or doing those like dink and dunks, like decide to go for a big game and then kick a field goal, mm-hmm. right? Rather than watching the clock, that then that move is dumb. Mm-hmm. Right, so I guess my point is like it's very difficult for me. So I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I, I, it's hard for me to think like, okay, there's a right call there because like, no matter what he does, he's gonna get criticized. He's gonna get criticized from from one end of the spectrum uh, on the decision to do what he did. But you know, just looking at it from, I guess the <clears throat> the competitive standpoint. Wouldn't it be better to be in a situation where it's a one-score game than a two-score game? Because that's well, what that's what it's about. It's about going from a two-score game right. to a one-score game. Right, but so here's the thing: like we watch the Browns every week. Yeah. Right, and like I know it's his job to do the full scouting report. I'm sure he does it. I'm sure he's the mm-hmm. staff that does it. But it's not like the same as watching. Like, like not that we watch closer or smarter about football because we're not. Yeah. But you know what I mean, like right, like. The Browns and fans of the Browns watch the Browns every week, and the Browns themselves probably are much better at analyzing it than fans are. Mm-hmm. But, like, th- there's, like, psychology here, right? It, it is not Harbaugh's job to watch every Browns game and a root for the Browns like he's a fan or works for the team, which means, like, he has, like, a general philosophy of how he approaches these things. Mm-hmm. And what I think Harbaugh saw is like, listen, the analytics say to do this, but more importantly, I'm watching my team play against the Browns. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching my team, even with my backup quarterback, make gain after gain after gain. Mm-hmm. And this Browns team statistically is terrible in the red zone. Yeah. And if I go for this and I make it, we win. And I think that was his logic. I'm not saying it's right, but, like, part of why I think we think it's wrong is, like, we know, like, for all of Joe Woods' faults, and there's a mm. lot of faults that Joe Woods has, we know Joe Woods calls defensive plays that aren't quarters that are really good when he needs to do them. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was the situation when he needs to do them. And so I think there's a little bit more variance there than Harbaugh thought when he made that play call. Mm-hmm. which is fine, right? Like, I, I get it. I, I guess to me it's just like, 
I'm trying to put myself in Harbaugh's shoes. Yeah. Which is very difficult because Harbaugh knows more about football than I will about anything in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But but I'm trying to put myself in his shoes and I'm trying to think like, okay, I, I see what Harbaugh was trying to do. I'm not saying it was the right call, but I see what he was trying to do and I, I'm not going to criticize him for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, like, just personally, like, I, I, because I don't think I would expect any coach in that situation to make a different call. Like, maybe Bill Cower does, or Bill Belichick does, but, like, I mean, those guys have, like, future predicting talent. Yeah, they, they, they never they make do. those calls wrong, ever. They, it, any call like that, Bill Belichick does not make wrong. And it's fucking weird, because every, like, Andy Reid makes those types of calls wrong, mm-hmm. right? Harbaugh, what probably a Hall of Fame NFL head coach, makes those calls wrong, as we saw today. Yeah. Right? In the grand scheme of things, that was the wrong call. Mm-hmm. I guess to me, it's just like, out of all the things to criticize the Ravens for today, that is not on my top ten. Oh, no, yeah. There are my, things my... I think like, they deserve criticism for. Like, the Ravens did things wrong today. They, they did. And let me just... One more thing about this, then we can mm-hmm. uh, we can continue yeah. on to a different part of the game. Because <clears throat> uh, a lot of this conversation about uh, going for two there instead of kicking the extra point is, is driven by the fact that the the Ravens still scored a touchdown with time on the clock and and kicked the onside kick and got it. But that's all assuming that they're going to be able to score again and have a chance to get the ball again. And then possibly win. What I mean, just hypothetically, if that drive took another minute and 17 seconds, they would have scored a touchdown with no time on the clock, with no chance to tie the game. So I guess that's part mm-hmm. of my issue with, you know, a, a lot of analytics right. Twitter having an aneurysm in the moment. The fact that, uh, you know, people were disagreeing with the decision to go for two and saying they should... They should kick the extra point instead. That's just the really only thing I'm, well, I'm I, with. So I think to right to a certain extent we're saying the same thing here, right? Yeah. Which is like any statement either way that is definitive is wrong. Yeah. Right. And so like analytics that are saying like this was definitively the right call based on the numbers, I think is wrong. Uh, I think also saying like because Bill Cowher's gut says this was definitively the wrong call, like well, okay, but like. As great as Harbaugh is, and I think he is, again, a Hall of Fame NFL head coach, mm-hmm. he's not Bill Cowher. Yeah. Right? Like, and so so I think we're saying the same thing there. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's, again, and what I, like, preface the entire thing with, the time wasn't a thing. It's, I, I completely understand right. the logic. But time matters, possessions right. matter, eventually the game ends. Well, and to give credit, let's turn this on the Browns, right? To give Stefanski credit... He is really good at time ma- Like, people don't give him credit for this because it's just not something people give credit for. Stefanski is really good at clock management. Mm-hmm. Like, weirdly good at clock management. He is. And that's why we won today. Like, mm-hmm. end of story, that is why we won today. Like, for all the criticisms people made of Stefanski this year, many of which I think are fair. Yes. He is the reason the Browns won today simple mm-hmm. period no matter what the browns lose this with any with, with if alex van pelt is the head coach yeah right or, mm-hmm. or like stefanski won the browns game so like in terms of like stefanski like has a weird gut for it i, I don't know how to explain it because 
I don't, but like he has a weird gut for when to go into this like score preservation mode that we've never had a head coach do that. Mm-hmm. Like do, do things like that. So like, I think Stefanski saw Harbaugh make the call and he's making the same point you did, which is like, that was dumb. Yeah. Right. Like I think that was Stefanski's probably view when that call was made. So I, I guess to your point, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a cool way to think about it for the Browns, but like, I think the Ravens did a lot of things wrong too. That just like, listen, ever, nobody's perfect in any sports game. Period. Like, there's never a coach at the pro level that does everything perfectly because you're going up against pros too, right? Yeah. The people you're going up against also need to win to protect their jobs. Mm-hmm. Even like a Bill Belichick, right? Like if Bill Belichick went 0 and 16 one year, he's on the hot seat. So, like, I think, like, the Ravens did things wrong. I think there were certain – they did not start targeting Mark Andrews until much later in the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that was based on the theory that Denzel Ward was going to be in zone coverage. And Joe Woods came out in man coverage, which, like, Mm -hmm. I was celebrating on Twitter because Denzel Ward in zone coverage is a middle 50 cornerback. Denzel Ward and Ward in man coverage is a top five cornerback. Yeah, it's a very we saw that. very distinct yeah. difference. And we saw that today. Denzel Ward was phenomenal. And, and like that was just a mistake the Ravens made, and it's fine, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I think the Browns were the better team today. I think the Browns deserved to win. My frustration isn't that I felt like the Browns did everything in their power to lose, which it's been some weeks this year. Mm-hmm. It's more that, like, I, I just – I don't see a world where this team is actually a Super Bowl contender. Like, i going to have E. Crow now set on this podcast before the season started of what I thought this team was. Um, it just – they're not. That's not what they are. You, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's essentially what it is. I mean – I, I, I don't think the Ravens are either. No, they're not. They have obviously some obvious uh, issues on both sides of the ball um, that are, are very concerning for them and how how good they are. And you know, however long uh, Lamar Jackson's out for is also another factor to take into account. I don't know how long he's going to be out for or what exact his injury is, but it, it was enough to not come back to the game. Um, and it was a it was a foot injury for a quarterback who needs his legs to be effective, not just as a runner, but his ability to move with the ball in his hand before he throws it. Um, It's a very, I think, underrated part of his game because everyone talks about his legs. And they go, oh, yeah, he runs the ball a lot. Like, no, 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 it's his ability to evade pass rushers and pressure and still be able to complete passes in ways that, like, very few quarterbacks have been able to do over the past two decades. Right. Lamar Jackson knows his arm is not his strong suit. Like, Lamar Jackson is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. And the way he overcomes that arm not being, like, this great arm Mm -hmm. is that he creates time for himself. Mm -hmm. Like, he can't do that if he can't – or, I'm sorry, if he can't create time for himself – I think Lamar Jackson starts struggling a lot more. Again, not because, like, there's this argument that I actually think is, like, mildly gets into, like, the racism element, which is, like, Lamar Jackson's just dumb. Like, no, no, no. 
Lamar Jackson is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. He actually reads the field very well. Mm-hmm. He just does not have a great arm. Yeah. He understands he that, just, too. Yeah, he knows that, which is why he's so good. It's why he won MVP, right? Because he realized, I can't make the throws I need to make to mm-hmm. be a pocket passer. Yeah, so if, if he's... I'm going to make my own type quarterback. Yeah, if he's limited by his his, his uh, ankle injury injuries, maybe, or whatever he left with, because he got to hit in both of back of his feet. Um, right. But if he's limited by that and has to be a, a pocket passer, you'll see him struggle in a very similar manner like we've seen Baker Mayfield struggle as a pocket right, passer. Right, that's what I was going to say. I think he's going to become a very dink and dunky passer. Mm-hmm. And because um, yeah. it's, it's the same thing for both of these guys. If, yep. If they have to be pocket passers, but they struggle for different reasons. Lamar Jackson is just not a, a good pocket passer. Baker Mayfield is the good pocket passer in addition to not being able to see. <laughs> right. I guess for me the difference, like, even if Lamar Jackson is limited by his ankle, I don't think he's going to throw idiotic passes under pressure. No. His... He may not, like, throw for a first down. He may just throw it out. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to make idiotic passes. Where with Baker Mayfield... You have no idea what you're about to get when he's under pressure. You, you really don't. I mean, his the difference, I think, would be Lamar, it'll just be inaccurate passes or passes that are just off. Right. They won't be bad throwing decisions. They'll be bad passes, and those are a big difference. Right. Less frustrating to watch as a fan, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. <clears throat> Is there uh, any other uh, takeaways you had from this game? Um Oh, yeah, I got a few. Uh, number one, did you realize the Browns drafted uh, JOK in the second round to be, like, this superstar linebacker? It's it's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, you know keyword, yeah. keyword linebacker. Uh, yeah. Hashtag yeah. my linebacker. Um, yeah. And uh, Clowney referred to him as linebacker in the postgame today. Just wanted to. Reiterate linebacker yeah, one so, more time. So this is point number. This is point number two. <laughs> I don't want to pay Clowney like uh, a lot of money, and I actually think Clowney is like maybe not as good today as a lot of people are giving him credit for because of the game. Like of the plays where his name isn't mentioned, he kind of leaves half a field open. Mm-hmm. But like to give Clowney credit on pure pass rushdowns, he's pretty good. Like. Deserves credit this year because I didn't want to give it to him. Um, but but he, he ain't it. So that's takeaway number two. Like, Connie, fine, whatever. He's a solid number two rusher. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's playing like, and he looks like a solid number two rusher. Um, yeah, and I guess point number three was the man defense thing, right? Like, I think it looks really good that Denzel Ward's in man coverage now. Mm-hmm. So I hope that continues. I do too. Um, I do think we will run the... Like, here's the other thing about the Ravens. They're really good at run defense. I think we will probably perform better than we have the last two weeks over the next four games. Mm-hmm. But I just... I also think the pass defense will be better the next four games that we're playing against. So that we may see variance there. But... I mean, to me, the, the most likely world, or let me put it like this. The best bet is the Browns go 2-2 two and two over the next four games. They win nine games. They go 9-8. and eight, And we all moan 
go in an off season, see what happens, and reevaluate next season. That that's about well, weird where I'm that, at. Well, so here's what's weird to me though. I think like that is the best bet, but it is like the least likely world to me because I think if we beat the Raiders. We go one and three or four and zero. Oh. Okay. Right? If we lose the Raiders, I don't think we win a game the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't think we're going to go two and two. I think we're going to go zero oh and four, one and three, or four and zero. Oh. One and three seems like a, a a real safe bet to me. But that's just that's me. my gut. That. If I and were a betting guy, that would be my gut. Because it, I think the likely world is we beat the Raiders and then lose the next three. But it's, I guess, theoretically possible we lose the Raiders, lose the Packers, and win one of the Steelers-Bengals. So I, I think one and three is the best bet to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I You look at the Steelers, look at the Bengals. I think they'll still both be in the playoff mix that you're going to – it's going to be tough games. You know, yep. the the Raiders they're 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 out of it they're out of it without being you know technically out of it yet. Uh, the Packers are going to give you their best shot because it's playoff positioning for them. So, right, yeah, they're they're not going to take well, it easy like, on you. They're they're going to be full full gas. As we're doing this, the 49ers are up twenty to thirteen against the Bengals, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean. Oh, Jimmy G with a very uh, Baker Mayfield stat line, 15 of 23 yeah, for 147 right. yards. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, but, no, but, like, to me, to me, like, no matter what happens in that game, the Bengals are still in the playoff hunt, just in different positioning. They're going to give you the best shot. Mm-hmm. I can't believe how good the Steelers have been this year because I thought they were going to be awful and they're only just sort of eh. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, you know, going back to to preseason of me saying the Steelers are the Steelers till they're not the Steelers, right? They're, right. They're, and they're definitely not the Steelers, but they're, they're not bad. Yeah, so I mean, and, and they haven't quite like bottomed out yet. They're like they're not like, oh my god, it's the Steelers, but they're not like as bad as we've seen. You know, the Browns and the Bengals be over. Like, One the past thing I don't decades. understand. And this is a Browns Twitter thing because I've made this comment before. Like, I actually think Mike Tomlin's a really good head coach. He is. And I know, like, Pete Browns has, like, no, he's terrible. He doesn't call play calls. He should have gotten rid of Big Ben a few years ago. He, like, X, Y, and Z. I don't know because Mike Tomlin's been that coach as long as Bill Cower was at this point in terms of when the Steelers were contenders. Mm-hmm. And that team, like, keeps chugging along no matter. What stars it does or doesn't have on its team? Yeah, that, I think Mike Tom's a really good coach. He is. Uh, I mean, if, if a Browns fan tells you that uh, you know they wouldn't have loved to have Mike Tomlin as the coach of the Browns uh, at some point uh, over the pat the time that he's been in Pittsburgh, they'd be lying to you. Okay, right? Do I think Mike Tomlin's the best tactical coach in the NFL? No, but I think he's one of the best. Like people managers in the he, NFL. He's a very good people manager. A very good example is uh, uh, how, how everything unfolded with Antonio Brown over the span of a couple months when he was right. in Pittsburgh then with the Raiders for a very brief period of time and how he just went off the rails. Uh, how that team manages to just cycle out receivers and, and 
continue just manufacture guys out of nothing. Yeah, and it, it's it's incredible. Uh, yeah. And I I think you know uh, on a season by season basis, Pittsburgh is even if they are not the most talented team or have you know the best uh, or the most complete team, they're prepared every single game. They're prepared. Well, and like I, there are years where the Steelers are just out of the playoff contention, but the team never quits on Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. ever. Right, and that's your point. They're prepared every week because they trust the guy. They they know that he's going and, like, to put them in the right position to succeed. He knows that he's going to have them ready to play at their best level. Right. That's 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 just a fact. <laughs> yep. Well, and like I again, I give Kevin Spansky a lot of credit for that playoff win. But at the end of the day, I don't think Tomlin coached a bad game in the playoffs against the Browns. I think they had two really bad plays to start the game. There were individual mistakes or two people mistakes that had nothing to do with Mike Tomlin. And that just gave the Browns. And I know Spansky wasn't play calling, but like, let's be realistic. We know how involved he was for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it just gave the Browns an advantage. Yeah. But I don't think Tomlin coached a bad game. No, I mean, even though like the you know the Browns won that game and they ran the score up really early, it's not like the the Steelers quit at any point in that game either. <laughs> right, exactly. So I mean, I guess to me, it's like I really like Mike Tomlin. Um, I don't know how we got on this. Oh, right. Like I don't think the Steelers are going to give up. Period. And I don't think we're going to get like an easy Steelers game until they're a hundred percent out of it. Yeah. And that's just the Steelers, right? I think part of the reason why the Steelers are the Steelers, they went from Bill Cowher to Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Right? Two great coaches for different reasons, mm-hmm. but two Hall of Fame coaches no matter what. Oh, absolutely. 100%. So I, I think that it's going to be an interesting final four games of the season. The Browns are in it somehow. I, I can't really tell you how because y- you watch this team and if you, you didn't know the final scores of the game or the final outcomes, you watch this be like, this team's won how many games? Because uh, we've seen a lot of bad football over the course of the season. They've won some games <laughs> that were ugly. Uh, they've lost some games that were also ugly. Um, it's just kind of how it is. And that's <laughs> kind of what this team is. Uh, it's kind of funny. They're... They're almost like a direct parallel of uh, Baker Mayfield, really. They're they're most of the time, they're just riding that average. Occasionally, they'll be a little bit better, but they'll also have those times where they look really, really bad. Right. It's kind of funny how that works sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, part of it's expectations, right? Like, even for the people that expected the Browns to be a playoff team last year, that was, like, the cap of the expectations. Mm-hmm. Whereas this year, I think, like, people like me thought they were a Super Bowl contender. And so it's frustrating. But, like, at the end of the day, I also don't know if they're much different than they were last year. Right? We beat the teams we should beat. We generally don't beat the teams that there's a question mark with. And our score difference is pretty meh because 
that's the way we play. And I think that's kind of what we are this year. I think we are a worse team this year for a few different reasons. But I think the general like outlook is about the same. And if the Browns' last four games were as easy as their last four games last season, I would say the Browns are definitely a playoff team this year. But just we don't see that yet. Yeah, out of curiosity, I'm checking something. Uh, last year, the Browns had a negative 11 score differential on the season. This year, negative 11. Yep, I know. No, 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 I know. <laughs> This team is very similar to what they were last year. Yeah, it's quite entertaining. Know, a few more teams yeah. got eliminated from playoff contention today. By the way, the Jets and the uh, the Jets and the Texans and the Jaguars all eliminated from playoff contention officially. Oof, that's great news for the Browns because those three teams were teams I was worried about. <laughs> oh man. Um. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, in the NFC, everyone's still technically alive, including the. Oh no, nope, the Lions are eliminated now. They were alive. Oh, uh, no. They they were alive uh, last week. Yeah, that team is <laughs> trash. Like people are really excited about um what the coach uh, Dan Campbell, and like it was like oh people are underrating him because of that press conference. Like no, sorry, people are underrating him because he like isn't actually a good like. Like, he's not an NFL coach, right? He doesn't have, like, this giant, like, tactical ability. Mm-hmm. And he's not a great people manager. No, like, he's that not. That is, like, a traditional Browns hire, right? Where it's, like, we try to outsmart everybody. It's like, oh, this guy kind of sucks. We're, we're going to get the, we're gonna get the tough guy, the hard ass. We're, we're, right. we're going to get low-rent uh, Greg Williams to be our coach because that's what he is. Right. Right. <laughs> that is. No, it's true. So, like, I'm not, like... I don't know. We had a, what was the guy we had on, like, who covers the Lions before the season started? Um, I forgot his name. We interact with him on Twitter all the time. Uh, whatever. Anyways, like, I remember he was like, oh, Jared Goff is not, like, he's not good, but the team may not be bad. And it's like, no, no, the team sucks. <laughs> Like the team sucks. I I don't. Like, they're a, they're a bad team. Is what is what they're. The Lions I are. mean, they are as bad as some of the bad Browns teams were. And yeah. like that's what I will say, and why I'm not super negative about this team. I'm frustrated this year. It's tough for me to watch the games this year. Oftentimes, I watch them after the fact because it's so frustrating during the game. But like, I'm not like freaking out about the Browns next season. They have one big hole. If they figure out that big hole, they have as good a chance to win as everybody else. It's just that's the hardest hole to fill in all sports. Yeah. Right? Quarterback. It's the quarterback. And, you know, there are some smaller, I guess, holes that you would like to see uh, addressed. You know, sure. You know, primarily defensive line, not named Miles Garrett. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, defensive is... line, linebacker still. I think we need another linebacker in there. I think we need an X receiver. But. All those problems are less important if you have a good quarterback. Yeah, it, it, if you got a, a quarterback who was, I'll just say tenth. Because I'm not going to say top ten because that provides too much possibility. If you want the best quarterback in the league, of course you'll be good. I'll just say the tenth best quarterback in the league, whoever that may be. Right. Okay. Right. Just just for the sake of this discussion, the tenth best quarterback in the league 
gets you a team that scores more than seven points in the last eight games in the fourth quarter. Gets you a team right. that scores more than 17 points offensively in their seven of their last eight games or whatever it is up to now. You know? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the only reason we scored seven more than 17 points today is because of an amazing play by Miles Garrett. Yep. Which, by the way, I uh, can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, congratulations to Mr. Miles Garrett as the Browns' single-season sack leader. Yep. Uh, and yep. congratulations. If he's on run defense, I was wrong. Like, he's an incredible player. Uh, and congratulations for uh, a very, very incredible highlight play. Uh, a possible, if he ends up winning Defensive Player of the Year, this will be the play that they show. That'll be the yep. play. Yep. No, no. I mean, listen, I still think Miles Garrett, I think Payne and Edge rush that much money is a mistake. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do it, I think Miles Garrett's one of the guys you do it for. Yeah. And it's it's also important to take his entire, I guess, skill set and how the best way to deploy him is. Like, TJ Watt, you know, his, uh, I guess, competitor for the Defensive Player of the Year award is more impactful than just rushing the passer. And I think that's a difference. Right. TJ Watt's impactful play to play, but Miles Garrett is a better at rusher. Yes. He's a better pass rusher. Yeah. And and I think that I think that's a very fair and accurate statement about between the two. And I'm not saying TJ Watt's better, right? Because I think Miles Garrett's impact on pass plays is enormous. But mm-hmm. I think like in terms of play to play, TJ Watt just does more for you. But that doesn't mean Miles Garrett is not as good, nor does it mean Miles Garrett just won't be as good on any defense, right? Yeah. If you build a defensive line, honestly, like last year's defensive line Right with Richardson, Ogunjobi, and Vernon. Mm-hmm. I think Miles Garrett's a player I'd rather have 10 minutes out of 10, no question. Mm-hmm. But with this year's defensive line, as great as Miles Garrett's been, I probably would rather have TJ Watt. And I think it's a very fair statement to say. I, I really do. Just because of the deficiencies of other members of this defensive line. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm not saying TJ Watt's better. Right? Yeah. And, and like neither are you, right? It's just like yeah. the reality of this defensive line. Yeah. That's what it is. Just what it is. Yep. Yep. Um, the other thing I'd like to point out from today, last thing, is Kevin Stefanski showed how good he is at scheming receivers open in that first half. Mm-hmm. Like there was a Kareem Hunt catch on third down, a Donovan Peoples Jones catch, where it was just like. Kevin Samansky caused so much confusion pre-snap. The Ravens had no idea where to be. Like, yeah. He just schemed these guys open. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is the Kevin Stefanski we know and love. And, and that's usually the, the type of games that you see when Baker starts off like this. This isn't the first time that he started off with a, a really high completion percentage, but this is usually the type of, of game where it happens, where Stefanski is very, very uh, good in the scheming players open department and get, making a ton of easy throws for, for Baker. Right. It, somebody at Brown's back today was saying that, like, where most coaches, like, script the first 15 plays, and that's mm-hmm. usually what Stefanski does, it seems like both seasons after, like, even today, like, he had scripted open the first, like, 25 to 30 plays. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like the script went much longer, basically through the entire first half. Even when Baker started looking bad, the script was great. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just after that where it was like, oh, okay, these guys can't execute in the spur of the moment. Yeah. And I think that's what he looks like after bye. That's what he looks like after the bye week last year. Hopefully that's what he looks like after the bye week this year. Because if he coaches like this the next four games, the Browns do have a shot. They have a shot. I, I, I think I think they'll be in the mix, but ultimately I, I don't think that they, that they make the playoffs. Uh, I'm hoping for competitive games at the end of the yep. season, which uh, has happened in my lifetime a couple of times that I can remember. That I can remember. Let me just add that little bit on there because it has happened in my lifetime. But just that I can remember and, you know, being an adult for, even fewer for. <laughs> right. You know? If we go 9-8, and eight, miss the playoffs, but had a competitive last four games, I won't be that upset. No, it will be it, yeah. if we go like even if we go ten and seven, but that loss is just terrible, and the other three games are meh. Yeah, I'll probably be more upset than I would be if nine and eight, but the games are competitive. Mm-hmm. Just give me competitive games, keep me entertained, have the games at least for for now mean something. Right, exactly. But exactly. With that, I believe that is a, a good note to end on. Uh, as everyone already knows, to like, comment, subscribe, share, tell your friends and family. If you don't, it's stealing. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud. This is BelieveOne.com and RealBrownsFans.com. Mm-hmm.